Today we are beginning a brand new series called Influencers. And this series, I, I cannot tell you how <laughs> over-the-top excited I am about this because what's going to happen over the next few weeks, I'm going to be introducing you to men who have had a significant impact on my life personally and also in my ministry. And to kick off this series is uh, Bob Green, a former pastor at Arrow Heights Baptist Church. Uh, I read an article in the newspaper about Bob. I'd not known him. And I saw that he was retiring after 40 years at the same church. And I thought, I've got to meet this guy. And so we went to lunch, and we hung out, and I, what I didn't realize was the friendship that we would develop, and that he would really become a mentor to me. And I, he won't like me saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway, is that what I saw in him was not just only that he had been with one church for 40 years that greatly inspired me, but I saw here was a man who loved his wife deeply, had served the Lord faithfully, and was still active and in the game. Like he is still active and in the game. And I thought to myself, I want to be him in 20 years. That's who I want to be. I want to be like Bob Green. And so we began a friendship. We just go to lunch and, and we talk. And you're going to get the privilege today of kind of sitting at lunch. This is what it's like to sit at lunch with my friend Bob Green. Come on, Bob. Thank you so much for coming. Love you, my friend. Appreciate you. Thank you, Brad. I tell you, what a privilege for me to come to Core Church. I'm excited about being here and sharing God's Word with you. He's told you how we became friends, and it's just an exciting experience for me to see what God's doing here with Pastor Brad and all the church at Core. And so, what an exciting time. You know, one of the challenges, how do you preach one sermon to a congregation when you got so many sermons, and Lord, what do I do? And so as I prayed and prayed, one of the neat things that God did is he kept affirming a passage of Scripture that I want to share with you today because not of what it meant to others, but because of what it's meant to me. I believe that God is speaking to my heart, to your heart today in a time where we see lots of things going on. It's been a hard year for so many. This week, as I went to the home of a family I've known for many years, she said, what now? What now, Lord? What's going to happen now? She'd had hip surgery. Her husband died a few weeks later. Now she's got to move to Iowa. Things are not always like we would like them to be in our life situations. And so this morning, I want us to think about principles that can make a difference when things aren't going well. You know, we know this is not a fair and just world, and so we got to deal with all kinds of things in our life. Maybe for you it's been finances, family, health. It could be a number of things that have brought you to the place of really asking yourself, what's next? What now, Lord, is going to happen to me, and how do we handle that? And so I want to share with you principles that can help you live the abundant life. Jesus said, and that's why I became a believer, John 10, 10, got my interest. I've come that you might have life and have it even more abundantly. And so it's important for us to know that we have a life by the power of the Holy Spirit that God described as the abundant life. So let's focus on some of those things. Go to 1 Peter 5. If you have your Bible there with you, look with me. I'd encourage you to put a highlight, mark it, because this can be certainly something that will transform your life in so many different ways. 1 Peter 5. We're going to begin in verse 6. Humble yourselves, 
Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the appropriate time, casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. New American Standard Translation. This passage of Scripture transformed my life in many ways. As I was praying many years ago about, Lord, I need to hear from you. I searched Scripture. I kept looking for a word from the Lord. And in the situation I was in, I kept saying, Lord, speak to my heart. I want to hear from you. In a small prayer closet we had over on Main Street, one morning about 2 a.m., I was searching Scripture, seeking God to speak to my heart. And as I read this section of Scripture, it was as the Holy Spirit simply illuminated this passage. So I know it can help you. It's helped many since that time. The first thing I want you to see is we must be in a position of receiving. Humble yourselves. Do you realize the Scripture says to us that we are to develop a spirit of humbleness in the presence of the Lord? Matthew 18, 4 says to us that if we really, really want to be pleasing unto the Father, we need to develop humbleness like a child who will be greatest in the kingdom, those who have humbled themselves. How do we do that? Will we recognize God as who He is? How big is your God? What is your concept of God? Is it based upon the Word of God? Is it something that you've developed simply by things you've thought up or what others have told you? What does the Word of God say? He says, humble yourselves so that you can demonstrate you have absolute confidence in the grace of God which has redeemed us. Now, the Bible says if we'll do that, and you know, what is truly humbleness? Humbleness is the absence of arrogance. Why? Bob Green, you can handle anything, brother. You know, I got a college degree. I got all a seminary degree. I mean, I can handle things. God doesn't want self-arrogance to be a part of a Christian's life. He wants us to learn how to depend upon who he is in our life. And so when we come to that, he says, if you will do that, he says, I will exalt you. I will exalt you at the appropriate time. You know what I've discovered is the number one factor I've seen through year, about 50 years of ministry here in the Tulsa area. The thing that brings humbleness to so many people is brokenness. So in the time when you feel so broken, let your mind go to the fact, this may be a time that God is going to do a special work in my life. I've encouraged people to make this their prayer in the time of brokenness, in the time where there's pain, in the time where they're watching a child die, in the time where their loved one is in bad health, all kinds of situations. A man who lost his job because of a stroke, he could no longer be a pilot. The agony of losing that career. And one of the things that I've discovered is God says to us, we need to be that person that has an absolute confident trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not in control. You're not in control. And so one of the things God's saying to us, humble yourselves. The second thing I would say to you this morning is we need to understand the principle of releasing. Cast all your anxieties 
upon the Lord because he cares for you. You know, one of the neat things is that God says we can cast our concerns, our anxiety. Everybody has anxieties. We have all kinds of issues in our life, anxieties that are there. A friend of mine has been dealing with deep anxiety since 2019, still trying to find that handle. Anxiety becomes real for all of us. Children, my little six-year-old grandson said, man, I've got anxiety. I don't know where he learned that term, but, you know, uh, all people have that kind of anxiety that comes into their life. And so he's simply reminding us we've got to take responsibility. Cast your anxieties upon the Lord. How do we begin to deal with that? I would say this. Take every thought captive. That's what Paul said. I take every thought captive. I have to, Paul said, to learn to die to self daily. So what's going on in my life? You see, I need to learn that God is trustworthy and believe that and live in the light of that. John Blanchard from England, one of the outstanding Bible teachers I've said under, he said this once. Worry is not a weakness. Worry is wickedness because it demonstrates the lack of trust in God's sufficiency in our life. So we, how do we do? We release, release our anxieties unto the Lord. God, you're able, you're capable. I understand, Lord, that you're the one that's going to be able to handle this. I don't have ultimate wisdom. I don't have divine knowledge. I don't have supreme knowledge, God says, cast it upon me, cast it upon me. You know what's really great for me and was encouraging for me through this journey of life? He says, because I care for you, because God cares for us. You know, it's wonderful when we find people that will care for us. So many people I've encountered through life become those helpers, those caregivers that minister to people in many different settings. God says, I'll care for you. I'll be the one that will help you. That was an encouragement in my heart. God says, folks, listen, no matter where you are in life, no matter what your situation, he says, I'll care for you when you cast your anxieties upon me. But, you know, as I read the next verse, you know what thought came to my mind? Lord, that's not fair. Lord, that's not fair. Here I've humbled myself. I've cast my anxieties upon you. But then you say, Lord, that I've got to have preparation for resistance. Be of sober mind. Be on the alert. You have an adversary who prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Oh, me. You mean I now, in my brokenness, in my concerns, I've got to be prepared that, to deal with the devil? I've got to be prepared with the one that's going to try to rob me of the joy of my salvation? I've got to deal with him? The Bible says, folks, every Christian must prepare himself to deal with Satan, deal with his angels, deal with those forces that come against us. You see, he can't rob us of our eternal existence with him. He can't rob us of being in heaven with Christ, but he can sure rob you of the abundant life, the abundant life that Christ wants you to have here upon this earth. And he says, we must be prepared. Resist him. Resist him. Now, whose responsibility is it? Well, God, you got to take care of him. The Bible says 
you, Bob Green, you resist the devil. You re resist the adversary. My responsibility. Hope someday to write a book about the commands of Jesus. Those commands he gives to every believer, he says, it's my responsibility to live in this way. Think about that. One of the great blessings I got, oh, a few years back, I had preached this. I had read it. It had been ministering to my heart many years. But I was on a Saturday morning listening to the National Geographic special, and they were having a special about a man who lived his life among the lions. And he was talking about lions. And I was reading a book and listening, and he said this, you never have to fear a roaring lion. Immediately, mine went, Satan's like a roaring lion. He said, a roaring lion is trying to mark its territory or frighten you. The roaring lion will not kill you. The lion that will kill you will stalk in silence and pounce. But immediately, mine went to that. That's exactly what Satan tries to do. He tries to frighten us. He tries to put false statements in our thoughts and our minds. He'll put those things that says, God doesn't really care about you. You can't depend upon him. All these kinds of thoughts that will come during this time. And we've got to realize that we've got to take authority over that which has come against us. You know the wildebeest that get killed? My wife was in Kenya on a safari, and she was telling me about what they saw as that pack of lions came, and they were looking at the herd of the wildebeest as they were moving across the land. And the wildebeest that got killed were the weak ones that were in the back that couldn't keep up. You know, God says to us, you've got to be prepared for this life. You've got to deal with the things that are real. You've got to be that person that is prepared to handle. And that's why we get the whole Ephesians passage about the spiritual armor of God and what he wants to do us. Ephesians 6.10 says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm. Stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Listen, folks, you've got to prepare yourself You've got to be that person that says, I'm not going to allow fear from Satan, all this thing he can put in my mind. That's why I say to you, take every thought captive. A thought comes into your mind, and it begins to destroy you, tear down the church, not glorify Christ, rebuke it. The Bible says, resist him. He will flee from you. Rebuke him. Stand firm in all of this. So, you know, what does that mean? Firm, excuse me, firm in your faith. Who's going to cause your faith to grow? Who's going to cause you to be a person of great faith? It's you. Now, you may have great examples and others that will encourage you along the way, but friends, God is there for you. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell in every believer that you be empowered by the presence of God. Nothing is greater in life today than the presence of God in you. The power of the Holy Spirit living in every believer. So remember this. God never asks you to do anything that he will not empower you and strengthen you to do it. So if God asks you to do it, resist the devil. He'll empower you to do it if you trust him. And then he comes on and he continues to say to us, the thing we need to remember is the promise of relief. The promise of relief and what's happening there. It's important for us to understand that. He said, after, 
Now listen carefully. This is a very important verse. This was the verse the Holy Spirit illuminated as if a spotlight came on in that prayer closet. And when I saw it, I thought, my goodness, that's amazing. What God is going to do. Amazing. What did he say? After, after you have suffered a little while, then I will strengthen, confirm, and establish you. Folks, listen to me. Suffering comes into our life because we are living in this world. This is not our home. This is not heaven. This is not the new earth and heavens that God's going to build. He says unto us, after you've suffered a little while, you think if Jesus suffered that we as believers will not be suffering also? This is not our home. We're in a transition. It is a time in which we are being prepared for that. And so he promises to us a time of relief, a relief. You've suffered. One of my great experiences of life was when I was a chaplain at Hillcrest in training. My first assignment was the burn unit. And what I discovered, friends, was this. There's tragedy, there's heartache going on all over the world, like we've seen in this last week. Over 64 dead there in Florida. We see it all the time. I, for the first time in my life at Hillcrest, saw children that were burned badly, children that were burned to death. I saw babies dying in cribs in the hospital. I saw people having exceptional, unusual accidents. And what I began to realize, you're not going to escape suffering. Suffering is a part of living in this world. And the Bible says, after you have suffered a little while, then, then I will. Now, I've talked to the Lord a lot, and you may understand this. I've talked to him a lot about the very fact that his little while and my little while is not the same. <laughs> you know, my little while sometimes five minutes, ten minutes. My, okay, Lord, a week. That's all I need, Lord, just a week. But, you know, sometimes the Lord has longer periods of suffering. It's a time in which we need to understand that God is trying to get our attention in various ways. And even in our suffering, God can speak to us. I've encouraged people for many years now, as well as remind myself so often, in the midst of suffering, I pray, Lord, help me to learn what you want me to learn in the midst of this suffering. You know, I learn things about myself. I learn things about the world situation. I learn things about God. In the midst of the suffering, the midst of when there was uncertainty, God was still there caring for me, but you didn't have the final outcome that the Lord said to us. I want you to be that person that remembers that suffering is not going to last forever. After a little while, then I will do what? I will perfect you. You ever want to be better than you are today? Well, what's important about that is that you can because the Bible says, God says, after suffering for a little while, then I will perfect you. I will continue to complete you. You know, one of the images that's helped me through life is Jeremiah when he talks about the potter and the potter's wheel. God being the potter and we're the clay and we're on the potter's wheel. You know what's exciting is that even though I'm retired, I'm getting older and etc., I know God's not finished with me. Why? Because I'm still on the potter's wheel. He's shaping and he's molding me. And it's important to understand God's never finished with a person until he, he's died. And then he'll continue 
to be a part of our life as believers into eternity in heaven and all that he has for us in the future. But think about that. God's not finished with you. I don't care how long you've been in ministry. I don't care where you are and perhaps the depth of problems in your life. God's not finished. Let God mold you and shape you. I got to one year have a crafts class, and I got to build a vase out of clay. You know what was interesting? Where the pressure was is where you began to see the vessel go in a little bit. And the more you put pressure at a certain point, the more you began to shape a vessel. Sometimes God's pressure in life today is the very thing that will mold you and shape you to be the vessel that God wants you to be for eternity. So instead of complaining, instead of thinking God's not interested in you, think about this. God still loves you. He cares for you. And he says unto you, I'm going to perfect you, help you be completed. I will confirm you. Confirmation. Isn't that wonderful when God says, well done? Confirming us. He said, I'll confirm you. I'll tell you what you have done that is pleasing unto me. He says, I will strengthen you. Strengthen. What does it mean to be strengthened? It means you have the power, you have the ability to handle those situations that you're in. I want God to strengthen me. He'll strengthen me mentally, physically, emotionally. And so God's saying to us in a very special way, remember, I can do all things through Bob Green. Oh, no, that's not what the Bible says. I can do all things through Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior who strengthens me. So as you are dealing with your life right here today where you are, just be mindful of the fact that God is there for you to strengthen you, to continue to perfect you, continue to affirm as you have done those things that he has asked us to do. Every step of obedience is pleasing unto the Lord. Do you realize that? Every step of obedience because God is seeing that we are that individual that wants to please him, to have his way in our life. And then he says, and I will establish you. What does it mean to be established? I will establish you. I was studying to be an engineer before God called me in the ministry. And I think what it means is that God says, I'm going to build you a foundation that will last. I'm going to establish you. I'm not going to build a foundation that will crumble. Yeah, we've got to do our part. We've got to do what God wants us to do as individuals. But God says, I'm going to establish. I'm going to cause you to have a foundation that will not topple over, will not come down because it's built upon my promises. One of the things I say many times at the cemetery is, look at all the beautiful flowers around here. When you come to the cemetery, may those flowers remind you of the promises of God because God still has many promises unfulfilled that he's going to bring into our lives. So I would simply ask you today, ask you, whose voice are you listening to? Are you listening to the voice of God that comes through Scripture? Are you listening to the voice of God as the Holy Spirit speaks to your inner person? Many times I used to think in some ways as I would pray, Lord, I'm sorry that I got... Um, distracted. I'd be praying and my thought might go somewhere. I learned to bring a notebook to my prayer time because God was using my mind as he spoke to my mind about things I, he wanted me to be giving attention to. And so I began to realize I need to learn how to listen to the voice of God in my life. 
Something that touched me just a few weeks back, someone asked the question, who is writing your script? What script are you fulfilling in your life? Who's been the playwright for you? Are you writing what God wants you to experience? And you can do that because he's simply reminding us we must be those individuals that can truly, truly listen to God and follow his direction for our life. So think about that. Live in the light of God's word. Take these principles, take your situation, apply them, and begin to see where God wants to move and work in your life. Because one of the things that God will do, he says, I will bring light into the darkness. I'll take my word and it becomes your sword. I am the one that will direct your steps. So see, friends, God really does care for you. What now, Lord? God's able. He cares. And after you've suffered a while, he says, I will. May you truly find the will of God for your life. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for all you've done. I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that as we move from this moment forward, that we might understand that you have solutions for things that we're dealing with in our life. It will simply listen to your voice, take your revelation, your Holy Scripture, and make it a part of our lives daily. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. We praise you. In the wonderful name of Christ, our Redeemer, we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord.